Gaming NBS episode 331 being recorded March 1, 2021. Welcome to Gaming NBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Glad y'all here. If you're new to the show, glad to have you on board, folks. Hope you hope you like what you hear. <laughs> we hope you like what we you hope hear. you do. Know, I'm not going to guarantee shit. I mean, let's let's just see how it goes. <laughs> Sean, uh, any gaming in man since we talked last? Would you would you get up to anything new? Crazy. I played some Delta Green. Yeah, who ran that? Vici Leon. All right, nice. Yep. Now is this a this is a BS game like through our new little new and improved gaming BS setup? It is. It was nice. One shot, or we got more to come. One shot. One actually more like this. One shot. Did you, did you die? I did didn't you go, die. Did you go insane? Uh, I did not go insane. The VC took it easy on you. You lucky. I heard that feedback. Like I think somebody posted in the Discord. Like, did they die? No. Did they go insane? No. They're like VC took it too easy on them. <laughs> well, you know, Sean, you're a tender little flower. We don't want to hurt you. I like to think that I'm just an exceptional player. Well, there you go. Okay, we could, we could. If we're, if we're gonna make up shit, why not go all in, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> That's awesome. Let's see. It was fun. It was a good time. Very cool. I ran uh, Greyhawk. And it went, my first edition game went really well. The guys got out. It was um, a little overland travel, <coughs> but a lot more combat. They ran into some uh, bugbears, had to deal with them. They saved a giant eagle from being killed by the bugbears who were apparently hunting it. And they so they made a friend. They thought that was pretty wicked, wicked cool. Um, then a hill giant stumbled upon their group, and they fought that. And they were like, oh, my God, hill giant, Jesus. Uh, a lot of creative approaches for how can I do this? Can I... I know there's no flanking, but if I do this, will that help me get a surprise attack or a sneak attack so I can get my sneak attack bonus because I'm a thief? Ah, yes, yes, that sounds like good role-playing. Bring that in here, son. So it was a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff, a lot of fun. They got up into the mountains. They, they're seeing things in the distance, you know, flying in the, in the skies, coming out of the forest, heading up to the mountains, something fighting in the sky, coming back. They're not quite sure what's going on. It's pretty cool. And I got one of my other... Uh, players is finally able to join back up with us. He had to take a hiatus. He's in um, local politics. He's an elected official, so he's been really, really busy. But his Thursdays have cleared up, so he's going to be coming in as a third-level magic user. Not a wizard, magic user, because that's what they're called. That's right. And uh, he's all... I built his character for him, kitted him out. He's ready to go. It'll be good. <sighs> the guys are having a lot of fun. One of the things I've, I've found is that they really... A couple of them did not know much about Greyhawk. They knew about it, like, kind of, sort of. But I took a page, unknowingly, apparently, from Matt Coville's book. He has a, one of his latest videos around lore and deploying lore and um, getting people to engage with the lore. Um, I think I want to make this maybe a full topic for us, kind of recapitulating, but our own spin on it, per se. But the idea is the plot, I have the stuff I'm putting out in front of them, every time they interact with any piece of it, it's opening up another piece of the lore. So it becomes important to them and they want to know more about it. They want to understand why the dwarves did this. They want to know why the woodcutters were here. They want to know what's the deal with that because it's important. 
And that understanding, it becomes interesting and the clue laden with clues and hints and so on and so forth. So that becomes something they want to know about. So they more actively, they seek to engage in the lore because it's important for the plot. So that helps. Kind of cool. It's working out really, really well. And this Saturday I've got coming up, man, I got my wife and kids are going to be gone for the day and that evening. So I'm going to order pizza. We're going to get the guys over and we'll do something. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. Just going to leave you alone? Yeah. Well, <laughs> nothing can, nothing I can't can go come far. I have a, my neck is That's true. Up. It's like, where is she going to go? Uh, really shouldn't be driving too far. Really can't do much uh, unless they come to me. I can't do anything. So hey, it's all good. It'll be good. Um, anything else, man? Nope, I've got Forbidden Lands on Thursday, and I oh nice, I've got Low Fantasy on Sunday, maybe I guess probably. And Somebody mentioned it in the forums mm-hmm. when you mentioned Forbidden Lands. I think it was maybe VC mentioned it there. Can't remember, but anyhow, they brought up hey, a city hex crawl for Avalon. You should, Brett. You should go by the Forbidden Lands rules and see if you could do something like. God damn it, every <sighs> just it, not like the Forbidden Lands rules as is, but the the setup, the layout, the how how they do it, is a, like another another reason to buy it. Because apparently, the BSers have no respect for my wallet at all. <laughs> you should buy this. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I think you could adapt. It was, uh, yeah, it was VC. I, I of think, course you could adapt it. I think you, you could adapt it. I don't know. I don't know how well. Only because. You lack creativity, and yeah, I understand. Yeah, probably, but also <laughs> no, urban urban versus wilderness. Yeah, like I don't you know. tackle different things in the wilderness than you do Correct. urban streets, right? It's just it's an interesting thought, and I remember actually. I'm glad you verified. Thank you, VC, because he and I talked about that a while ago. I think on when he called me up, or I was down in down in Chicago with him, or something. I don't know. Anyway, he and I mentioned it before. I completely forgot about it. I'm like, yeah, that's actually. Kind of interesting, kind of interesting thought. You know, if you go from neighborhood to neighborhood and you travel around, how to make that travel interesting in a similar type of approach. So I'm interested to see how your game continues, how how, how the next session goes, because I want to... Sometimes when you describe it to me, I'm like, God, I don't ever want to fucking play that. That sounds terrible. And other times you describe it like, ooh, I really want to do that. And DeShane is out there. Tim's, Tim's posting stuff. I'm like, God damn, that sounds awesome. Ah. So I might have to buy the core rulebook just to read, just to read th- the damn thing. I think you would enjoy what it produces. I don't think you would enjoy how it produces it. Now that said, I was not keen on the funky dice for Star Wars, right? I did not like the mechanics at first glance, and so on and so forth. I was like, ah, grumble, grumble, grumble. What it produced, though, I really loved. So I, it, it's, I think I'm open enough where if I'm like, huh. If I do this and it produces this really kick-ass effect, all right, let's do that. If it if it does the right thing, so we'll see. Probably end up buying the core rulebook anyway. God damn it! Um, let's see. Well, here. it comes all in a box. Oh, uh-huh, does it? So you would get the core. Uh-huh. You'd get the game master's guide and the player's guide. That's if then... they ever shipped it to me. I'd have to order it from somewhere else. Yeah, you don't want to <laughs> order from Free League. No. Although they did get me my. I buy. I did buy. For those, if I don't know if Wayne or Phil might be in the chat, but they'll be happy to know that I bought the Foundry module officially oh, okay. from cool. Forbidden Land, or for 
four forbidden lands. Cost me like twelve bucks. So it was not good. bad though. Yeah, so it'll bring and all freely, the stuff in there. <clears throat> freely did do you did do you right because your aliens book showed up damaged and replaced that. They did. Yeah. I'm just a little I'm trying not to be salty about the uh, lack of arrival of stuff. Have they gotten back to you on Simborum? Yeah, they don't have an ETA. They're doing their damnedest to crank through they stuff. They did think, tell you that outright, like we don't yeah, have an they, ETA. Yeah, they were very honest, like, look, we're missing and we're sorry and this wow. is what we're doing. We're doing that everything. Sucks. I'm like, okay, cool, fun. Maybe they'll throw but, you something extra, man. Who knows? The main thing is just, you know, the communication component of it. Yeah. So speaking of, we could probably save this to the end, but I want to start off. I want to make sure I, I keep this in mind. So uh, Dave Betty, friend of ours, friend of the show, his um, Weird West craziness is out. If you're a backer and you have not gotten your PDF download, contact them. I got a hold of Dave um, through channels and said, hey, man, I can't find my fucking link. Where is he? he goes, oh, here it is. It is a huge goddamn tome. It is a massive, massive book. Um, it looks awesome. I started buzzing through it today on lunch, just kind of paging through. He's still got the really kick-ass art for my for my money. I, I like the the uh, the tone, the feel of it. It really it feels like you're reading a DCC book, which oh, I, I, is fun sure. to me. You know, I, which it's based on that engine, right? But I think he captured it well, but yet overlaid his tone and everything he wanted to. So props to Dave for getting got through all the legal hassles and such. Solve that. I think he's putting out a good product, so I'm really happy about that. <sighs> Anything else? Oh, so um, we have gotten now two copies of Arcadia from James and Tricasso. James, thank you very much. I don't know if you ever listened to us. <laughs> and how and why you thought we were important enough to send us gratis copies that we could take a look at it. Thank you, sir. That is amazing. I'm a Matt Colville fan. I've not been shy of that. And I'll tell you, I don't want to go into like all the detail of what's in it each, you know, hey, it's this, it's that, and so on. I've read the first one. I downloaded the second, um, which is, I think, equally cool. One of the things I love that they're doing, and um, which is what caused me to mention earlier uh, to Sean, the, the Dragon Magazines, how what good condition they were in that he gave me and so on, is it, I have, it has that Cobalt Magazine, Dragon Magazine feel where it's cool stuff. Um, adventures, some one-off stuff, and I, I like every, everything in it seems playable, doable, usable, and it has ins an inspiring type of feel to it. So much like in the old days for us older uh, gamers, when we would go pick up Dragon Magazine, you'd read through certain pieces, you're like, ooh, that's a new, new ecology, ooh, it's a new way to do mounted combat, ooh, it's a new way to do this or that other thing. Um, it, it, and not everybody's going to read it and like everything in it, but I'll tell you so far, uh, I think they're really they're really nailing it. He's not looking to do, from what Mr. Colville has said, he's not looking to do print, right? Uh, print magazines, at least not at this time, and I don't think they may ever do that. But if you're a patron, you get stuff up front. Otherwise, it eventually hits their store. You can buy it, and uh, I'm pretty impressed. So I know Jared Rasher did a review. Um, that's out there on his blog of the first one. I'm I know he did a review of it, but I I'm I'm liking what I'm reading. So it's pretty cool if you're a 5B person or just a D&D &D, and even a fantasy person, there's enough stuff in there. I think that's pretty damn helpful. Even if nothing else, you grab some of the, the adventures that they, the published, not pretty, but the published adventures in it. They, uh, they're fun. I think it's some good shit. So if you haven't checked out Arcadia by MCDM, check it out. I think it's, it's definitely worth grabbing a copy, parsing through it. 
I'm pretty pleased. And James, again, I have no idea if you listened to us, man, but thank you. That was super wicked cool of you to, to pass it over to Sean and I so we could take a look at it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, James. Much appreciated. Much appreciated. Um, so, Sean, let's talk about the um, the the gaming component we got cooking here, then we'll get in a random encounter. We mentioned a lot last yeah. time. Do you want to talk about here or do you want to wait till the end? I wait till okay, the end. Okay, well, well, hell then. Random encounter it up, brother. All right, let's go to random encounter. <laughs> Two to four miscellaneous points game and a geekery you want to bring to you. You can start. I talked a whole bunch there. First one up is the warden. Comments on the forums. The problem with examples. Uh, yeah. That's Game Master Tool number 2A. Guiding the players. I use examples all the time to help those players with analysis paralysis. Yeah, spoiler alert, subliminally suggests what I want them to do. I'm playing the bad guys here. Hello? <laughs> you weren't supposed to say that out loud, Todd. <laughs> oh, yeah. Damn it. Yeah, don't say that. Don't tell anybody, Todd. Uh, I'm actually going through this right now with new play-by-post game for Pandora. Players get points to create scenes, and they're, cre- they're currently still getting their feet wet in game and how we're learning to play it text only. Plus, there hasn't been a lot of history to draw from, so the options are wide open. When it comes to learning a new game, especially, and with new subsystems or situations outside of players' comfort zones, such as a social scene for a born-to-be fighter player. Players turn to the GM for help, and those examples are one hell of a good shorthand. Game text demands examples. They're what seal the deal and help solidify the very mechanical text above. It. It's what allows us to lock in what we learned and process it in a plausible situation. Rulebook are just like textbooks, but with cooler content. They need to provide examples to help seal the deal and lock that information into our brains. I absolutely agree, Todd. Good point. I think they're very helpful. We talked about it, obviously, and I think they're incredibly helpful. And I still want to stress that the players, it's not just the game master's job for that person, for, for them to always have to be the one to provide the examples. If you're a good player and you're helpful and not doing the the jerk, I'm taking over your character and telling you what you ought to do type of thing, but you're helping to supply them with what would look cool or what would, boy, you sure would look cool if you could do this type of thing. Good examples to help them move forward could be some really cool stuff. So thank you, Mr. Warden. Let's see here. We got Louis emails us on some recent episodes. Greeting Lords of BS. What a fantastic run of topics you guys have had lately. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, there's so much I would love to chime in on, but I don't want to take up too much time. As for the fl- slow burn, fast start topic, since playing the original West End Star Wars RPG in the early 90s, I've been a fast start kind of guy and have never looked back. That system's modules are typically great about launching right into the fun. A few are absolutely right in that different games deserve different treatment. But even with a sandboxy fantasy campaign crawl, I feel like the more setting details that can be dealt with off camera, either before or in between play sessions, the better. When necessary, I write up uh, quite details and rumors about the campaign world on little strips with uh, multiple strips for more important common facts and distribute them to the players based on their character's intelligence and position within the game world. So for some reason, uh, being given four little strips is less daunting than a packet of campaign notes. (laughs) Good point. Also, these strips usually lead to a lot more discussion amongst the players, which reinforces the campaign material. 
As for the natural coalescing of the parties through play, fooey. While in media res, the GM can simply call for players to do a short flashback narrating how they got to this point or how they joined up with the others, this becomes way more dynamic than the describe yourself as you wander into the tavern tradition. Takeaway is that backgrounds and other important front-loaded info is more memorable and interesting when divulged through action and play, in my opinion. The injecting homebrew topic is one of my favorites. Like many in the hobby, I've swung between the positions of published shit? Why do I need any of that? That stuff sucks. And my youth too. Man, I wish the system had more published modules. I don't have time to write this stuff up every week in my adult years. <laughs> now I'm at a happy zen. I mostly run published work, but I always layer on changes of my own design, tightening up plots that seem too complex, throwing in some new twists or complications, or adding depth to NPCs um, that were otherwise bland. I also like to fiddle with the modules in order to make uh, make one run right into the next. For example, having characters leaving the Dwellers of the, of the Forbidden City module into the Hidden Shrine of Tamachan after hearing Legends of the Tomb Complex from the inhabitants of the city. My final point on this topic is that playing through published stuff gives us all in the hobby a common touchstone to share in conversations. Maybe my experiences with the Tomb of Horrors are different than yours, but we share a unified thread as we recount the encounter with the giant devil's head or how we dispatched the decoy mummy. Anyone who tells you they played bad, <laughs> they've been passed the mummy is a lying sack. <laughs> Very true. The um, I, I think Sean, I've said this for a number of years now, is that the truth is at the table, right? And that a really uber super detailed background information that's on a character sheet or five pages worth of background that never comes to the table is neat, but doesn't really help much. So I think what what we're talking about here um, from Louis that there's power in that front loaded, more memorable when divulged through action and play. I think there's there's some absolute truth to that. What do you think, Sean? Yes, yes that's good. I'm glad you agree. I do agree. That was good stuff too. I do agree. It that is was good. Thanks, Louis. I don't know. I don't know if that might be. I don't know if that's Louis's first time writing in. Thanks for writing in. Could be. Louis. I don't remember the. I don't remember seeing stuff. If it if, if it isn't and we've forgotten, I apologize. But that was good. That was yeah. very good. Thank you. It was good. Matt B emails us about the X card. X card. Hey Sean, I enjoyed your conversation with Phil about Forbidden Lands. I had one thought about the X-Card and safety tools that neither of you brought up. It's important to make the X-Card and other tools as unintim unintimidating as possible. The best way that I know to do this is to ensure that it gets used often, so players get in the habit of using it before it's really needed. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to ever use the X-Card, honestly, Matt. Uh, obviously, he continues, obviously it's not a good idea to frequently and intentionally drop offensive elements into your game to give players practice with the X card. Instead, I reframe the X card as an editing tool rather than a safety tool. Its use is not limited to players avoiding upsetting triggers. At any point during the game, if the direction I'm steering in, if I'm steering, uh, the game is boring or if a player simply has a better idea... I encourage them to use the X card to take things down a different path. This isn't for everyone. Some groups don't like distributed narrative control or feel like it breaks their immersion. I think you discussed something similar to this in episode 308, uh, Description on Demand. But it works well for me and has enabled some really exciting moments. Huh. I don't know if that would work for my home group as a mechanic. 
Now, granted, I've known these jerks for like three years, so we're we're pretty we're pretty open. Like by you bunch of uh, grumpy old grognard bastards, come on, what do you like? I don't like this story or yeah, whatever. Bunch of yahoos. Yeah, we'll, we're a little more open about that. However, this is an interesting approach because you're right, Sean. When I first heard the use the X card off, and I'm like, what the hell? Why would you do that? Aha. Matt's talking about changing it um, to a an editing tool rather than purely I I don't like this uh, a safety tool. That's an interesting take. I've never thought of that. I don't think it's a bad idea, and I think that it some folks obviously like mm-hmm. Matt would eat it up and appreciate its functionality. I I would th- me I would say that it would. I don't know if my group would understand the difference. Yeah, sometimes there's nuances with that that could get lost or fuddled. So it's an editing tool, not a safety tool? So is there a safety tool? Yeah. Or are they one, one um, the same? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so what happens? So this is the thing, and this is the argument I would have. This is the argument Mr. Dan that you know yeah, 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 yeah. says. Email, right? Email is used for everything. It's used for, hey, the building's on fire, and hey, there's cupcakes in the break room. So you have no priority. Everything's just all stuff. And then people, they filter out email because there isn't the priority with the messages. Yeah, if you have one tool used for everything, what's the value of the tool? Right. And so my only argument, Matt, would be, okay, so... We do use it for safety as well, or is it editing or both? Oh, both? Oh, okay. But and what I if think it's... the argument would be anytime a safety move is an editing move. I, I, it, stop, sure. I am taking a hard editing cut and saying, I do not want to hear about what happens to this dog. I don't want to hear about that. I'm taking my editorial knife and going, Shh, that goes on the cutting room floor. Sure. I, I get, yeah, what, I get it, what you're saying, though, and I think that's where... I think Matt skillfully says, you know, it isn't for everyone, right? Some groups don't like it or breaks immersion or whatever. But if it's working for him and he's got a crew and I think however they're using it, and that's an important piece, I think is the overall theme here is that whatever you're using for tools is that it's working for you one way or the other. And, and, And frankly, I mean, yes, I cover X card and lines and veils more now. I know a player recently that ran a Delta Green game. I mean, it. He he encountered something in a player 10, 20, 30 years ago encountered the same exact thing. And in Delta Green, good things don't happen. No, no, so, they don't. Like literally pulling that up and saying, this is what's occurring. And, and, you know, he's probably known this guy, he or she's probably known this guy for a few years and never knew this that this was in their background. Yeah. And, you know, I w- I, so I asked this person, I said, so, I mean, did you, were you playing X card? Yeah. Did they, did they do anything? No. Like, I didn't know. They brought it up kind of in the game and they were fine with it. So my, but going to this, my point is, I don't like to, I actually don't want to play games where the X card's a factor. However, if you're playing Delta Green Call of Cthulhu. Like if it's just a horror thing that's going to try to get you into a little of an edge, yeah. you know. And everybody's what's um, edgy for you is not edgy for me, and it it is so. It's true. interesting, and you know, if you've been game game with the same group of yahoos for twenty thirty years, 
there is still stuff that periodically my buddy Nick will bring up or I'll bring up. And so go, ha, I had no idea you did that. I've known these guys. Yeah. I've literally known these men for 30 years. You know, one of my kids right. is named after one of these guys. I know them. I know yeah. them better than their wives. I know them better than all this stuff. But there's still periodically things that come up. It It's hard to do. It's hard to deal with. And I think the, if nothing else, the X card, the lines and veils, the, the different approaches and tools and objects and just ways to try to do stuff, it's worth, well, I tried the next card. Oh, everyone at my table thought it was dumb. So fuck, I, I, I can't use it. There's other options. There's other ways to do it. And I think that's the cool piece that Matt's found out here is like, there's another way that's working really well for Matt and his crew. That is awesome because you found a tool, a thing that's letting you do exactly what you need to do as it's getting the job done. That's great. I think yeah. that's good. I, I I think there's a mechanical value in having a, a thing that allows you to edit, right? That's kind of cool, just in general, right? Safety aside. But for me, I, I would have to say, like, uh, me and my group, if I put the X card on the table, it's going to be... I mean, if somebody touches that... I'm not looking for them to say, hey, you know, I was kind of, you know, maybe winding it back and not really wanting to go in that room. Like, you know, can we just, you know, maybe I, I want to do a different attack. No, you're using it as like a hard stop. Like this is never, this yeah, is man. never, ever to be discussed. Stop fucking talking about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody touches it. All right. Now we need, we need break. to skip yeah, this. We break and move on. Right? Yeah. Or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. It's not easy, but it's worth, I mean. The fact that Matt figured out, like I said, good stuff, Matt. I mean, not no no shade in what you're doing, brother. That's that's good. You guys figured out a way to use what you've got and to get you past and through everything. So that's really cool. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. right. My turn. All right. Blake Ryan emails us. Good day, fellas. I have a question you for you both. You just read that. Did, did you just read that? I? I did. I don't know. You no, did. you did. Oh, you, you did. did. Yeah. I did. I did, did. it for Ben Lands. Yes, you did. <laughs> go ahead, man. All right. I wanted to read Blake's, but no, go ahead. I, it's not like I did this on purpose. <laughs> I totally did this on purpose. I have a question for you both, which is a bit of a long explanation. So here it goes. Back in the 90s, uh, the groups I uh, was in played AD&D. Even when we tried Rollmaster and Palladium, we still played it like AD&D. Charge in, no recurring villains or allies once the module was completed, and no alliance to anyone but ourselves. We tried Shadowrun and died a lot. It seems Jarjian does not agree with full auto weapons. We did not cover our tracks and or have backup gear stashes or hideouts. In short, we did not play smart because we were still playing D. Then we tried World of Darkness and quickly realized, hey, this is not about your team role and mechanical function. This is about why you do the things and what your character cares about. We approached playing and running the games differently. After we played all games different, after that we played all games differently. We wanted more story and character depth. So the question is, what game or games changed how you both played and ran games? That is a damn good topic. I think Sean, we're gonna have to add that in there because I don't. I think the list could be long. There's a number of things I want to unpack here. Like my first thought is, well, if you played AD and D that way, that's not AD and D's fault, right? That's just how you did it. But Huh, what do the mechanics of AD&D say about should I or shouldn't I? Mmm, interesting. So, yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a fucking good question, Blake. <laughs> I'm going to add that to the hopper. That's good. I like that. You agree, Sean? We're going to add it in there? You good? Sure. That's good. I'm gonna, that's going in there. I'm making my notes right now. Oh. 
You read. You read Rays. I'm going to move on. That's good, Blake. Thank you, man. Otis writes in comments actually on this episode's topic today. Tonight's episode. Brett? Interesting question, which is, well, maybe you could decipher this based on Ray's comment. Interesting question and kind of a difficult challenge. As a player, I love getting, excuse me, those bullet point lists like seven things you need to know about the world. Last time I remember seeing one of those was in the front of the vaults of Varnzine, issue one. When approaching another genre, one that you as a player don't connect with, either from lack of experience or exposure or interest, it is really helpful to get a hand full of tropes and big eyed of a dog's mouth. That kind of voiceover works in movies and books, but it's internal. So you can sort of get into a character that way, but no one expects you to play that kind of smart cookie character. We are going to set it in the 1930s. World War I is over, except there are still people who are hurting from it. Rural America doesn't always have electricity. There is no interstate system. Phones are scarce and often in a public spot, even with a home. Uh, example, main hallway. The stock market crash in 1929 causing the Great Depression. But American Americans are tough. Good things are happening. The government is involved in public works and creating national parks. The Empire State Building was just erected, but owning a car and good suit is still a status symbol. Okay, those are a little uh, belabored. I was really hoping to come up with three pithy things like, one, you've got to mix it up to find things out. Two, being cool and witty is a pose that most people can't hold on to for very long. And three, America is reeling, but we are survivors. Maybe those should have been the headers with the details following. This is a mess. I shouldn't type stream of consciousness thoughts. Laugh out loud uh, down the right way. Let me try this off the cuff. Say the genre is noir gumshoe. Here are the three things I would tell you. One, investigation isn't about thinking things through from a cozy armchair. It's about beating the bush. You walk the scenes, talk to people, poke your nose in where it doesn't belong, and catch a few punches. If you are lucky, you'll solve the crime and live to collect a paycheck, which just might cover the rent. Two, you don't have to talk like Bogart or come up with Raymond Chandler style like language, style language like it was humid outside, wet and stinky, like the inside of a dog's mouth. <laughs> that kind of voiceover works in movies and books, but it's internal. So you could sort of get into character that way, but no one expects you to play that kind of smart cookie character. Three, we are going to set it in the 1930s. World War I is over, except there are still people who are hurting from it. Rural America doesn't always have electricity. There's no interstate system. Phones are scarce and often in a public spot, even with a home. Example, main hallway. Stock market crash in 1929, causing the Great Depression. But America and Americans are tough. Good things are happening. The government is involved in public works and creating national parks. The Empire State Building was just erected. But owning a car and a good suit is still a status symbol. So, there you go. Good stuff, Ray. All right, let's move on. Let's do yeah. let's do main topic. It'll all make more. It'll all oh, make oh, sense. It'll all make topic. sense. It'll all come together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
What in the hell are we talking about, Brian? All right, so Mr. Jim Fitzpatrick, ling- linguist extraordinaire, um, said what I'd like to hear guy, your take on is being a tourist. What I mean when I say that is, do you do anything special if you know you're going to play a system or a genre you don't usually play or have much, even that much exposure to? How do you play a space opera game if you've never seen a space opera show? How do you play a supers game if you've never read a comic book or seen the MCU movies? Send in Phil. We're nice enough to talk about on the on the pandas talking games. When I ask them, I'd love to hear the BS side. And we are not to be outdone by Send in Phil. So we're definitely going to do it. Uh, a few game holes ago, continues Jim. I got a chance to play a supers game with Matt Forbeck, uh, but I'm not a big consumer of supers media, so I really didn't know much about the tropes. I didn't know the system either, and I don't remember what it was. I still had fun because Matt is great, but I might not have had fun if I'd been with a random GM. So for the record, it was Brave New World. Ah. I've confirmed this with Jim. Did you? Okay, cool. So when he brought that up, then Ray's, Ray's response to the to the topic uh, that Sean posted out on to our uh, forums. So this it's interesting because one of the things we, we push sometimes on the show is we'll say, hey, when you go to a con, man, an online con, in-person con, it's a great time to try those games you've never played before. Try this game out. It's new. It's crazy. Do this thing. It's like, fuck yeah, you go in there, I'm going to play a Star Trek game. I've never played Star Trek. I've heard great things about Star Trek. You sit down and go, I know fuck all about Star Trek. Who's Scotty? (laughs) If you don't know this, right? You can find yourself in this position where you feel like you are in over your head. You feel like I have been playing role-playing games for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. And this is the first time you've played a superheroes game. And suddenly you feel like a a new player. You, You don't know. You can't get in on the jokes. You don't feel like you understand stuff, right? So, Sean, have you ever had that experience where you're going to play a game, a setting, a genre, especially, that you don't, or even a system, where you don't have a lot of experience about it? Have you ever intentionally sat down and said, you know what I'm going to do? I've never played that. I'm going to do it. I'm going in. Has that ever come up to you? Happened? No. no. Are you serious? Never, bro. You're, you're full of shit. Come on. I've always been a knight in shining armor. I wear plate mail all the uh-huh. time. Got plate mail underwear. Well, I know that, but. <laughs> uh, of course it's happened to be. I, I'm trying to think of. Um, oh, nothing comes to mind at the top of my head, but I know it's happened before. And I'm trying. The reason I hesitate is because. Most of the times I'm playing games I'm somewhat familiar with. You know what's you know, you know there's yeah. a premise behind it, I kinda know. I have found that I am a genre generalist insofar of is it is a if it's comic book series, a comic book type of game, I know enough DC, Marvel, um, Dark Horse, blah blah blah, a number of different titles and themes and things that I can grab onto it. I go, Okay, got that. Noir, I know enough noir. Is it mystery? Got that. Horror, got it. Fantasy, got it. Space opera, hard sci-fi. I know enough of all the pieces and parts that I've been interested in them all at some level. So genre-wise, I feel pretty good. Rule system-wise, when I get into a game, I'm like, oh, what? How, how does this work here? And I think I've had an edge over what Jim ran into. Where I'm like, oh, this is a superheroes game? Okay. Um, says my guy can fly. I want to fly up and punch him. Uh, how, how do I do that, Matt? The Forbex my GM and Forbex like, oh, roll, whatever, and there you're done. That's how you do it. Cool. I already know what I want to do. I understand the the basic tropes in the in the zone and so on and so forth. Steampunk stuff, 
I, I've dabbled in and because I just <laughs> it's a thing that interests me, all these different genres and, and things like that. Um however, I have introduced a number of other people over the years. Like, hey, I heard about that vampire game you're running. I don't know anything about horror. It sounds like fun. I'd like to try it, but I'm afraid I'm going to look like an idiot. Or, and this even hap- this even <laughs> happens with D&D, is like... <laughs> we play role-playing Yeah, exactly. Games. If we go and do it, if we go do it in a Denny's, we're going to look like yeah, idiots. I, have Who you ever cares? played D&D at a Denny's? Hands up, I <laughs> no. have. Fuck have you really? It. Oh, yeah. Have you, have you LARPed? Oh, yeah. Have you LARPed yeah, at not, a Denny's? Not at a Denny's. Um, vampire? Vampire LARPed at a Denny's? Yeah. Yeah, we would have. That's a that's a fear of the yeah boot about thing. two in the morning yeah after the after the reg- <laughs> or is after it- the regular vampire game got done then we go to Denny's and hang out for another three to four hours drink coffee and blurp basically yeah oh yeah I can't remember if that's a fear of the boot thing or a Happy Jacks thing but there was something about larping at a Denny's <laughs> yeah vampire larpers that came into a Denny's and it yeah, was I just can, I can relate to that <laughs> anyway um even with D and D though is you have people um. I shouldn't say now, especially because it's so popular. Um, even though, obviously, you know, Wizards of the Coast is now doing really well. Just look at Hasbro's announcements. Um, people will say, I want to try this thing. It sounds like fun. And you'll say, oh, so you like like you like Lord of the Rings? Never watch the movies. You like Harry Potter? Mm, that's a kid's thing. Do you like... Fuck, what do you like? <laughs> it's like, what, why do you want to do this? It's like, you, you'll have players... And sometimes yourself, you're like, you're drawn to try a thing. Um, so anyway, I feel very fortunate personally that I have that kind of genre generalist approach to things. So I feel when I run into it, I'm like, oh, Pendrag, I know enough of the King Arthur mythology, blah, blah, blah. I just don't know the fucking rules. I can learn the rules. I'm in. I know Knights and Chivalry. I understand a Pendragon. I'm good. I'm in. Now, that said, though, I think one of the things that we often do, and this is kind of um, kind of just basic advice, which often I think everybody knows this, but sometimes we can forget it. Still, is that find ask someone to explain? Like, if you sit down at the game, if I was Jim Fitzpatrick and I sat down at this game of four back, you saying blah 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 blah, I'd be like, oh, so it's like Superman, right? You're thinking in your head, you're trying to draw some connection with anything you have, right? And sometimes you don't want to say that out loud because you don't want to look like a moron and say, oh, it's like Superman. He looks at you and goes, no, Daredevil. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> um, I don't know who the fuck Daredevil is, you know? Wink, wink, yeah, wink, Yeah, wink, you feel wink. like an idiot, yeah. <laughs> the other thing I found whenever, and when I'm doing a new system, and I think this actually applies well for a genre type of thing, if you're a gamer and you've already been gaming before, or even if you're a brand new gamer and you want to play a basic fighter type of player character, I don't need a ton of background. I don't need to be the one the story is all centered around. I don't need to be the wizard, the most complicated character there is. I will often, in a new game system or a genre I've not played in, I'm familiar with but not played in, is say, give me a simple character. I don't need a lot of options. His name is Phytor. He's from Phytor land. His parents were killed by orcs. Okay, what do you do? You punch stuff in the face. Good! What's your answer? I punch it in the face. Ha, <laughs> good old Vitor. You know, it, that's playing something very simple takes the edge off of having to really assimilate to all the stuff that's going around you as a tourist, right? I'm going to be really simple. You show up in the restaurant, you're in Germany, 
everyone else at the table is ordering the schnitzel. You're like, you know what? I'm ordering the schnitzel, which is exactly what I did when I was in Germany. <laughs> I sat down. I have no clue what I'm going to order. Three people around me ordered it, and I leaned over and I said, Mark, is the schnitzel good here? He goes, oh, it's amazing. I'll have one. I'd never had schnitzel before in my life. It turned out to be fucking awesome. Schnitzel and German beer in Germany. Wow, holy crap, that was good food. I've had a schnitzel here or there. But it takes it takes some of the pressure off by playing a simplistic, basic type of character. And by leaning into that, I think that can be very helpful. Do you agree with me there, Sean? Or do you think that's... What do you think? I, I do. And I think some of the... See, I think some of the nuances of Jim's thing would be more, even more specific than the the hundred foot fighter mm-hmm. view. Like, hey, we're gonna play Eberron, or versus Forgotten Realms versus Forbidden Lands, or or you're gonna play a, an investigative game. What does that mean? <laughs> well, right, like, or or even an investigative game in D anD D, or like, a, you know, Call of Cthulhu, Trail of Cthulhu. Oh, you know, or it's or it's not in the same time that somebody might re- like Call of Cthulhu is like twenties, right? Twenties, thirties. Yeah, not this one though. We're gonna have that in like the eighties. We're gonna call a Cthulhu game in the eighties. And then it's the role that they're playing that might be a little outside, or they've played something else, and it's it's got a spin, or it's a mashup. Mm-hmm. You know, I think sometimes um, that would trip me up. I'll tell you the other thing I found that that's helped me, and I found other people when they get in. Uh, if I was bringing a person into my group, I'd be like, "Hey, grab." I would oftentimes grab a senior player and say, "Hey," because I, I I know my crew, and I'm like, "This person is going to need help. Are you willing to help them?" Yeah, sure. So my buddy Nick, his sister Bernie wanted to play with us. And he's like, Brett, would you mind helping coach her? I'm like, totally fine. So Bernie sits next to me every game session and she says, I want I think I want to do this. Does this make sense for my character? Yeah, it does, Bernie. This is your this is your tune. This is what she does. Um, this is the skill you have. Oh, I'm not really good at. No, 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 no. That's actually pretty good. It's fine. Roll your two D twenty because we're playing Conan and you'll be good. Off you go. So Kind of in connection to that, if you don't get a, a, a buddy at the table type of thing um, and you're in a con game, I, I look at it and I try to take guidance from the rest of the table. And by that is I, I do tend to I sit back a little bit and see who goes first. <laughs> Listen to what they do and pay attention. I don't have to ape what they're doing or or, or, or copy it exactly. But I could hear Sean explain what he wants to do in the Savage Worlds game. And I don't know Savage Worlds system very well. I go, huh. Yeah, I want to do the same thing Sean did. You know what Julie was doing? But I, can I? Now, Sean just spent a Benny. So if I do this and I add a Benny to it, will that give me any kind of help here? I'm, you know. And being vocal about the fact that you don't fully understand all the nuances, all the bits and pieces but throwing out an idea of what you want to do and saying, I don't know if this fits type of thing. I think that that has served me very well when I don't know the system. Um, and I have seen it work really well for people who don't even know the genre. Like, hey, I think, boy, I, I feel like I should just shoot the guy. Should I just shoot him? And they look at the table right. like, can I just shoot this guy? Because I kind of want to shoot him. And someone goes, oh, no, 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 it's Cthulhu. It's Cthulhu, big guy. Sit down, sit down. Don't tell you. We don't shoot people now. It's, it's too dangerous. And everyone laughs. They go, oh, that was cool. Or they say, should I shoot him? They go, fuck yeah, shoot him. You're the one with the gun. Oh, 
bang, you know, then they pull up, then they pull out the gun and go. But I think listening to the table for ex- action examples and seeing what they're doing, and there's nothing wrong with copying what other people are doing and just trying to twist it a little bit. Or when they say, I attack the ogre, you know what? I do the same thing. I think that's a good call. I, I help. You know, I think my character would want to help. Um, I'm not sure what the best way to do this is. I find that those open, those open questions by say, expressing your intent, right? Good players at the table and the game masters are going to help you push things along. That's what I have found to work. And that's kind of how I do it. But especially for me, a new game system, what Brett does is I ask people, hey, I think this is how this works. If I want to punch him in the face, do I roll 2d20 and take the lowest? Yes. Okay, cool. That's what I do. Or whatever the case is. Does that make sense, Sean? It does. And we're talking about now we're starting to get into rules versus knowledge of the yeah, setting that, or that's, the that's genre. Yeah, that's just one piece. That's just one piece of it. You yeah, know? yeah. But I mean, what's a how do but focus it on the tourist piece? Like, what's a tourist have to do? With yeah, this? so you don't you don't right. know. You're not sure if you want to be there or not. You know, do you like this thing? You just take a look at it. You know. So I think part of the other piece um, is to really get the full tourist experience of a genre is to kind of go for it. Especially if it's a con game, ride that character like you stole it. Who cares? It doesn't matter if you die, go crazy, or whatever horrible thing happens to you in a way. But you can you can kind of go for the gusto, right? A little bit. You, you can, but it, but yes. It can also scare the crap out of you if you don't know if that's what you're supposed to do in the genre. I've had some, I've had record scratches Have at con you? games, oh. though. Like, oh, well, I mean, you're kind of like going along and... Uh, maybe it's investigative and you're trying to uncover clues and you've got somebody that is like kicking doors and, yeah. and shooting people all the time, you know, and they're killing everybody that's going to give you the clue or the the thing that you need. Or they do something that's like, oh, oh um, hmm. Let me tell you. Look, okay. okay. little wrong timing, yeah. maybe? That's a good idea, but that was two sessions ago. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think with the tourist piece, tying it into like even the game master at a, even at a con game or your regular game is explaining the analogy has got to be, you got to have a reference point, I think. And you mentioned that, yeah, Brett. Like, you need to have something to tie yourself right? to. It's Superman? No, it's Daredevil. Do you know what Daredevil is? No. So now you got to go into what Daredevil is. Yeah. What's the Punisher? Who, Who, you who's know? this? What's that about? Yeah. The Hulk? Do you know the Hulk? Oh yeah, big green guy. Okay. You know how he sl- smashes everything? Yeah, that's not this game. <laughs> yeah, take it way down. Oh, it is down. it? It's supers. It it's supers, though. It's like street-level right, guys. Right. Oh. Street-level. You know Captain America? Yeah, lower than that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me tell you Let, let so me I, tell you this little, let me tell you this story. This is the closest I can think of. I made myself a note to tell the story. So I'm at Queen City Conquest um, a number of years ago. I'm sitting at, John Wick was a special guest. I'm hanging out. I'm talking to, I can't remember who it was, Sneezak and a bunch of other, and Phil and other people. We're just talking, and Bob Everson's there. We're just bullshitting. John comes into conversation. We're talking back and forth. He's got a 7C game to run. Obviously, it's John Wick's game. He's going to run 7C. He's a special guest. Um, he says, Brett, are you in this game? I said, no, I'm not. He goes, you're in this game. Come on. I'm like, I had no interest or really wanted to do it. And Chris like, come on, let's play. Brett, landlubber. 
hunter. Yeah, I, I'm not an ocean guy. Not I'm a fisherman. Not an ocean guy. I mean, not, I, I, he's not even a fisherman. I fish just uh, more rivers and small Wisconsin waters. I don't go like big water. Right? Not not my fair. Thing. Fair. I'm like right. fine. Sure, we sit down. So we whip up <laughs> characters and come up with ideas, and we're like, I'm like, okay, cool. What you know? What the fuck ever? I have no idea what I'm doing. Let me just get a handle on the mechanics, and we'll figure this out. I'll I'll sit back. I'm gonna play a sit back guy. So John says, okay, we're going to be on a ship. I'm like, okay, cool. Good. They're going to be on a ship. Some of these poor fuckers is going to be around. I'm just going to be a passenger or something. I'll figure this out. So we need to figure out who needs to be in charge. And everyone starts looking around. I said, okay, first things first, guys. I don't want to be in charge. And they'll go, you're in charge. All six people pointed at me and said, you don't want it. You got it. So I'm the captain of this bloody ship. I have no idea what I'm doing. And I'm running around. I'm misusing terms constantly. John Wick is playing the my first mate which is thank God he did that. Because at one point I'm like, okay, uh, someone run downstairs. He goes, you mean below, sir? Ah, yes, yes, someone go below. Uh, check the sit. Go downstairs. <laughs> go downstairs. <laughs> I said that. And when we're downstairs, I said, someone check the someone check the roof. He goes, you mean the deck, sir? Ah, yes, yes, <laughs> check the deck. Go up top. <laughs> and, we, and everyone, we had a hoot. I fucked up every possible thing. I, I knew enough. You're like the politician trying I to be the, the, the suave sailor. I was bad. Yeah. I was horrible. Yeah. I was like, I know how to do this. Do, 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 do. Yeah. I just, I had no freaking clue what I was doing. And I just rolled with it and said, you know what? It's everyone at the table. And we actually had two people there, the, this uh, younger uh, lady and her, and her boyfriend. And she had her first edition 7C GM screen for John to sign. She had another first edition 7C book for John to sign because she loves 7C. She knew everything about it. She rapidly became the person we're like, is this right? <laughs> we're like, oh, thank God you're here because I knew fuck all, clearly. But she didn't care that I knew fuck all and she didn't care that I was a bad captain. She thought it was hilarious. And it wasn't doing it just for jokes and, and giggles. It was like, okay, everyone just decided that your character, Brett, clearly was thrust into this because he came from money and has inherited this. And we, we, everyone helped me. They built this backstory for me that said, okay, you, you've inherited this ship. You have no reason to be here except that this you're, you're the one with the most amount of money and you hired the crew. Sounds good. And I just ran with it. And um, we had a great time. It was a lot of fun. Learned the mechanics. It was a fun system. Had a good time. Yada, yada. But it was, as far as like a pure tourist perspective, that was it for me. I had no intention of playing. I wasn't even sure I wanted to play. I was kind of manhandled into playing. <laughs> like, you're going to play this game. Get over here. All right, fine, fine, fine. I let them out. Brett, you, Brett, you're going to go on a on a on a a vessel. Yeah. And you, there's alcohol. You drink rum. I'm in. I'm so in. You're gonna get I'm sauced. in. I'm in. Right. You know, buttload of grog and all. Right, I'm in. What, what's this about? Pirates, huh? <laughs> all right, pirates it is. And witchcraft and craziness. So for me, at that at that moment, the other thing that was really kind of everyone else at the table who knew the system better, and especially I cannot remember the, the young lady's name, but she was very helpful. But anytime I struggled, anyone who knew better than me helped. Anyone who knew what I was doing was just the dumbest thing in the world. But I know what he means. I run upstairs and check this out. Yes, but some people aren't receptive. They're to not, that. and it was. I, and I know. So I was incredibly blessed. I think is the best term for the group I was playing with. Like they were supporting me in whatever horrible thing I did, and they just had a good time with it. 
So I, I think one of the things that that really rang home to me was to be a good player at a table when someone else is a tourist is to help that person out. If you've ever seen the physical tourist, they've got the map, the stereotypical map, the wild-eyed look. Don't pick their pocket. Go <laughs> walk up and say, do you need help? Is there something you're looking for? I worked retail through college. Can I help you find a book? I worked bookstores. Can I help you? Do you need something? Yeah, I'm looking for a book. Any idea? Yes, it's blue. Oh, good. <laughs> My favorite one I ever asked a man was, "Do you, I'm looking, looking for a book. Really, what kind? He goes, well, I don't read. It's for my wife. I'm like, oh, this is going to be wonderful. I've actually found the book and she was actually quite happy. She came in the store later, but and longer story. Point is, is that when you see the tourist, help them. If you want to be considered a good player in my book anyway, you're going to step forward and help that person out. Everyone at the table was wonderful and helped poor Brett, the tourist, uh, um, thrust into captainhood of this vessel. And 7C, I still can't believe that worked and the ship didn't sink under the weight of my own stupidity. Um, but everyone helped. And they got engaged, did all the right things, and um, everyone knew better and more about it than I did. And, but they, they were fine. So, and not uh, to your point, though, Sean, not everyone's going to have that and not everyone's going to do that. But at least, at least I would hope the game master would help. You know what I mean? Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. You would hope that the Game Master would help. Yeah, you'd hope so. I, I'll tell you, though, at, at con games, the other thing I have found, which is interesting, is every convention I've been to, and not as many as other folks out there have gone a lot more, there are plenty of times where it says, is this beginner and immediate or all welcome and all skill levels welcome? On occasion, someone has all skill levels welcome and they're lying to you. And they really expect everyone to know a certain level of something or other. But generally, those things can be pretty darn helpful. Like, I really don't care what you know or don't know. You're welcome at my table, and I'll help you out. That's the one Game Master saying that. They're telling you they're willing to help. But So, Sean, that's kind of – that's been my experiences with this. How have, have, how have you dealt with this? Either at your table or you, you personally, how have you, how have you dealt with it? Well, I think many many times it's it's who's played this game. You just asked that. You just asked that, you just asked that question. Yeah, I'll I'll ask any. You know, forget about it. It's oh, a good one. Oh, so right? when you're running, you're saying Savage when you're Wars. running the game, when you, I'm running, you're just trying to sniff as, as a player or you're, a you're trying GM? to sniff out the tourist if you're running. Where's that? Best? I am trying to sniff Where out the tourist. Are. I'm also there trying to are. sniff out the rules oh, lawyer. Yeah. Oh yeah, move. You're my rules lawyer. Hey, good. I got I got one of those in Forbidden Lands. Good. Hey, you're my reference hey. manual. I love you. Farian. Tell, I prefer, tell, tell I prefer to call them reference right. manuals at this point. I don't call them rules lawyers anymore. Yeah. I have actually said that to people. Oh, thank God you're here. You're my reference manual. And that turns them from the adversarial rules lawyer person to the oh, I'm an invaluable asset for this game master. It's wonderful. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> so as a as a game master, I'll just ask. As a player. Uh, it, I, eh, if, it, if I'm at a con and somebody seems like out of sorts because they're not wholly familiar with the game or the genre or whatever the case is, I will, I mean, it depends on who takes up the reins to, to kind of help that person, whether it's the game master, like if the game master's kind of doing their thing and they're trying to help the person, person along, then I just let the game master do their thing. Got it. 
I mean, the last thing I want to do is you, you don't want like four people around this one person going, all right, here, okay, well, no, that, and then you got to do this. Oh, and they forgot, you know, and they mentioned this, but this also helps too. And, you know, and then they're just like, you know, four people trying to help them out. And they're like, um, so, I mean, and so, okay, he, he or she's got it. They're a game master and I'm hanging, I'm hanging got out. It. If it's, if it's somebody that's sitting next to me and they're kind of like pondering what they're doing and the game master's not picking up the cue that they're just not figuring out where on the sheet or something it is, or, um, you know, maybe it's not obvious. I would say, Hey, you're, you're, you know, you're the smart one or, you know, you, you, you probably, you should probably, you know, speak up like this is your, this is your, your deal. Your, this is your time in the spotlight. Yeah. You're, like, you're the, you're the lady with the explosives. We need to get through that door. Yeah. 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 yeah right. You're the one with the grenades. Um, <laughs> yeah, anybody have grenades here? Boy, you've boy, boy. Got you've got grenades. Go do that thing. Yeah. You've got there grenades. You go. <laughs> have you ever been the tourist? The closest I've come that I can think of offhand was my 7C story. Have you been the tourist? Were you like, I'm going to play a game oh. I've never played in a genre I know fuck all about? I'm trying to think. There was. <laughs> I wasn't in the game, probably at Forge Midwest. Like, they play some indie games that are Ashcan. Uh, ash you know, they're not even out. People are beta testing their oh, stuff. Oh, okay. And they're, yep. they're very, they're very, very, very different than anything anybody's ever talked about on our forums or Discord, period, end of discussion. Like, it's, I mean, I walked by a table one time. They're like, hey, Sean, come here, come here. Like, hey, we'll play. I'm like, Okay. And it was, I remember it was Clyde Rohr from Theory from the Closet. And if you don't know who Clyde is, you, if you've ever seen him, you know what he looks like. Because he's got tattoos across his forehead, across his knuckles, and super nice guy. And I go, what are you playing? <laughs> like, what are you playing, Clyde? And he's like, I forgot the name of the game, yeah. right? But they were all playing teenage, like little teenage girls or little girls, like, I don't know, 10-year-old okay. girls. Like, And it was, the dynamics were... I mean, to see like him, like I'm sure there was two other women and another couple people and they were talking about, it was just, I would have been a fish out of water. As soon as I heard like the premise of the game, I'm like, ah, no, I, I'm like, it's, I wouldn't be able to grok it. I wouldn't, it, it's just, it doesn't appeal to me. And I would be like, I don't know how to play a 10 year old girl. They come up with the different rule sets and the character story type and it could a lot of those types of games the indie games specifically can be very here's the box like here you play five people and here are the five people you pick amongst you to play these five people lady blackbird it's all yep. one adventure you it's done you play it once you finish it it's done yep. finished gone it's how you do it or accomplishment accomplish it so it was it was probably something along those games and i was just like no nah, i'm not I wish I knew what it was. So in that case, I didn't play it, but I could have seen, stood there and Do you have like, a natural... I think I honestly... I The fact that I got strong-armed into playing 7C was kind of a unique experience for me, but normally I find a really good reason not to be there. Like, if it doesn't interest me, I'm like, eh, no, this doesn't interest me, or I'm busy, or I've got to go get a beer, or wh whatever it is. Do you find that so I, I'm almost wondering if uh, either neither you nor I are fit to really help Jim out here because it sounds like we both are like averse to doing it. 
You know, like, you, well, know, you know what I'm saying? It, ah, yeah. Well, that one is like, well, it was very, I mean, ad high. They were like probably an hour or half hour into the game already. Or they were, you know, we're just setting up Sean and they, they knew it or they were testing it. Um, Sabe is another one that, that came up with one. Um, and I can't, I wish it was like Roses of the Blooded or something houses, like that. But it was, the, it was, it, it, blooded? no, no, it was not Houses. Okay. No, this was something else, like his own oh, okay. game. Um, and uh, Hearts of the Blood, I don't remember. Anyways, but they're interesting games, and I like some of the things that they bring to the table, and I don't have an adversity to playing any of them necessarily. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm okay. Like I've, you know, Al, Al Jahib, The Roach, like some of those games, I haven't had the opportunity, but they've always been pitched to me. Like Tim Jensen's oh, yeah. always like, hey, man, you got to check this out. Yeah, check that out. I mean, yeah, that dude. Small press. Stuff. That dude knows his stuff. <laughs> In a small press world. Yeah, and he's you know he's like, he Tim would show up the first time I like met him face to face. He showed up in a backpack with probably thirty games in it, in one backpack, like, and they were all different. Like every book was different. It was a different game. Um, Ten candles, dread. I mean, stuff that. Uh, but I guess what, what dogs in yeah, the vineyard. What, what, like, I, what I'm saying stuff. though is that when you had that opportunity, granted, you know. It, even if they would have said, hey, we're going to go play this game about playing, you know, 10-year-old girls in grade school dealing with witchcraft or dealing with um, peer pressure or dealing with anything. I'm, I'm making up shit. I don't fucking know. Yeah, it's like Little yeah, Fears, it, right? Jason, my buddy would Jason you, Blair. Would you want to out. play that? And so uh, far as, like, if you're not familiar with that piece, like, I know enough about bits and pieces of that, partly because I've got kids, right? So I'm aware of what my kids are into. But I can tell you right now that if somebody had a um, a Shira RPG, my daughter lot my little yeah, pony, my, my or daughter something. loved loved the yeah. the Shira reboot um, animation. Yeah. She'd be like, boom, in. If she said, "Dad, would you play with me?" I will play to play a game with my daughter. Right. I know the only reason I know anything about it is because I've seen the entire series bits and pieces through walking through the room and my daughter's watched it and rewatched it and rewatched it and rewatched it. So I get that. And same with Steven Universe and some of those things. I understand a lot of it and I get it. She'll explain things to me. She's crying. What's the matter? Oh, this is really a touchy moment. Let's watch it together so I can understand and help you through this. So I get it. But if someone were to say, hey, I'm going to play the Steven Universe role playing game, I'm like, I pass. It just doesn't. I understand the genre. As, as I said, as a genre generalist, I get it, but I'm not interested. And I I have to give, honestly, Jim, I've got to give Fitzpatrick credit for saying, you know what? I'm going to play that game even though he hasn't – he's not a comic book guy. He's playing a superhero game. Hasn't seen any Marvel Universe movies. He's really not into superheroes or whatever. Whatever drew him to try something so outside of what's in his normal I like this space – that's pretty gutsy. And I don't know if I would do it without someone strong arming me into it. Like my little girl saying, Dad, come play this with me. Or being peer pressured by my friends at a con saying, Hey, we're playing 7C together. All right. But it's not something I normally am down for. And maybe that's something I need to do more. I don't know. I guess that's kind of at the heart of it is we've just kind of talked around it here. I don't have good advice or ideas around this, honestly. And I'm hoping that by bringing it up here, some of the BSers will have better stuff. And maybe this is just a piece where I've got to look at it and say, you know, I should be more open to that shit. Well, there's so many of those those games 
uh, and I say those games is like the indie press games that aren't well, non-trad, even just the, even the genres that I'm not I'm as. quasi familiar with or you know, all that you know like huh yeah I really don't want to play Monster Hearts it doesn't interest me you know I say that but I've never played the damn thing but what well well no and that's you know not having an interest in a particular oh, totally game okay. is okay yeah. my 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 question to you is is what don't what why are you not interested? And if you say, well, I don't want to play teenagers, well, that rules out a shit ton of games, right? No, my, my answer to like, that is I played Vampire for over 20 years. I don't, and all those games, I don't want to play Monsters. Oh. I, okay. I, I, well, I have played the fuck out of that. I don't need to play that anymore. Okay. I, now, right. that oh, said, that's different. I'm positive Kev yeah. Fulu and other people would look at me and go, this is not the same thing. This is totally different. And I could, I could, I could, could potentially be pitched into it, but sure. I think it's. Like, I'm not saying that I'm a, a lesser person slash gamer for not doing this type of thing, but I almost wonder if it would be worth it to look at some of those things and do what Jim did, and ex- even if it's expand your horizons once. You know, I've had kimchi once. I had the opportunity. I it smelled terrible, and I thought it's going to taste bad, and it did to me. It was abysmally horrible for me, but I did it. And I could say I've eaten kimchi, right? That's good stuff, man. Cabbage, mm, yum. Mm. Rotten fermented cabbage, not my thing. Oh, it clears up the sinuses. Oh, that's good <laughs> stuff, man. Clears up everything for a long yeah, time. Yeah, you put yeah. it in some noodles and stuff. Oh, it's all great. Not my thing. I don't know, man. I just, anyway. But I, it's not, I mean, one game is kimchi. Like the next one, sushi. Yeah, the next I'm just one's saying fish, the, the, next the, the whole steak, tourist you know? idea of going in there and saying, look, I don't know much about this. From a rule system perspective, I don't get worried about rule systems because I'm like, I'll figure that out. We'll sit down. Someone will help me figure figure out how to attack, defend, do a social interaction. We'll figure that out. There are dice, there's cards, there's chips, there's whatever. I figured out Amber Diceless for fuck's sake. I can figure this out. I'm not worried about it. The genre is the thing that keeps me away from something because I'm like, I get it. I am aware of it. I just don't want to play in it. Now, the reason I might not want to play in it are very depending on what the genre is, but some of it's just not of interest to me. Bluebeard's, Bluebeard's, yeah, I would, Bluebeard's I would Bride. Here, I, I could sit here and... Bluebeard's Bride, I, I'm like, yeah. yeah, I get it. I understand that people would... would I don't know much about Bluebeard's. Um, I know yeah, about it. I, I, I know of it, but I don't actually know, like, oh, this so is that, what you do. And so I think is, that's, you know. the interesting, that's the interesting piece is that I think sometimes I'm having a... And Jimmy probably made me do more introspection here at the last second than we needed to here, but... There's a gut reaction you have sometimes like, I don't want to be a tourist in that because I will, I think it will either be uncomfortable, unfun, preconceived notion three, preconceived notion four, preconceived notion five as why I don't want to do this thing. Brett, what are the five last game types you played? Last game types? Game, game genre that you've played. D and D. Oh, no, no. So genres. That's a that's a game. so there's fantasy horror yep. sci-fi, um, and within sci-fi there's there's space opera, um, also hard sci-fi traveler. Um, how many is that now? That's probably a good yeah. amount. I mean, that's four or five yeah. right there. Sure. And so anything within that within those four or five, you'd probably be like, okay, I'm good for that. Yeah. You'd be in no question, yep. like because of the yep. genre. Right, because okay. I like that stuff. But if right, that's pretty easy. Then it comes into 
maybe some nuances and then maybe some mechanics or rules. Yeah. Right? And then there's, I mean, there's sub pieces too, like, you know, Pendragon. I understand enough about King Arthur's Court and the mythology around it. Do I want to play that system? And do I really want to deal with that genre? Is that a genre I think would be fun right now versus a different genre or whatever? I don't know. Anyway, this is, we're, we're not getting anywhere here. You know, I don't know. I don't it's, know. It, it, it's interesting because when, when Jim wrote this out <laughs> to us, I'm like, that's interesting. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, fuck. The closest thing I, I can remember having where like was that 7C tale, but I don't remember. Or And the first time, you know, when you, you played and you, you played your first role playing game, like, I have no idea what this is. And your friend's like, oh, this is wicked cool. Or you or however you got into it, because you're really you don't know anything about it and the only thing i could think of is every time whenever i've encountered anything close to it i've seen players come to me is i try to help them find some thread that they can grab onto that they understand do you feel dissuaded from things that you are unfamiliar with and That's i say I'm that old. like no i'm not <laughs> carry on no. well and that may be a, f- a fair explanation but I'm saying like Star Wars, you played, you weren't hip on Star Wars, but it also shows, I think, also a certain level of when you play in a game, you're not wholly interested. I think there is a different player at the table than when you're a player at a game that you're wholly interested in. Absolutely, yes. Okay. So I don't think that's any big shock. But having said that, then, you know, I don't know where I'm going with that. But anyways, it's... I mean, you and you played Star Wars, and you you kind of did it the thing, but it wasn't your like first choice. It wasn't your go to. No, it was not. Like you play, you play a shit ton of fantasy. I do because I love it. You play AD and I play a lot of horror. I play a lot of horror too. Well, what like horror? Call, Call of Cthulhu, Cthulhu, Trailer Cthulhu, um, World of Darkness. Um, well, WOD, you no, no, did. No, I play When's the last time World you played? World of Darkness, Axis Mundi is based on World, is based on World of Darkness. My buddy, my oh, buddy Lenny runs, we run modern day using the new World of Darkness as the core mechanic for it. But we've gotcha. done that, okay. done that I, a number of times. Telling you, man, World of Darkness, this dude lost. Yeah. I think the one game I ever played, Brett, was yours. Oh, yeah. You were in, yeah, Wraith. you played that Wraith, Wraith intro game I did, yeah. That's it. Like, that's Sean's World of Darkness exposure. Everybody died. That was good. <laughs> it was an interesting game. I mean, it was just a really, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't, the premise, I think you kind of conveyed it or Beatty did, but I didn't know shit about it. I think what was, what's interesting to me is that when you did that, kind of, if you take that as like a Sean's tourist approach and Brett's World of Darkness thing, you just went in like, all right, I'm going to do this. You, you, it took you a bit. You kind of gauged it, figured out what was going on, and then just jumped in and grabbed on. You know, you, 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 you yeah, but I was with people that actually, like, you know it. Correct. You've, but you, you, you know, you've you lived found it. a way to sink your teeth into it, though. You weren't, you did not yeah. sit back and go, I don't yeah. know what's going on. I've never played this game before. I don't know anything about the genre. I don't know anything. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> oh, what's that? I don't understand. What do these tell you? What do these dice do? What's a, what's a die pool? I don't understand any of this. <laughs> you didn't do that, right? You you strove to learn and you strove to pick up as much as you could as fast as you could, so you could sink your teeth into something like okay I'm going to do this, and have fun with it. And I think that 
the um, and I tried to do the same thing with the uh, with the seven C example I gave was like you know I I'm like I am way out of my element. I I'm just gonna jump. I'm just gonna grab on and bite onto this piece and hold on for dear life and see what happens. Because why not? Because you only live once. Worst thing that happens is I have a crazy weird con experience to tell people about. Man, I get you know it drives me nuts when people get too hung up on other like the the bullshit. And the bullshit I'm referring to is, God, I hope people don't make like think I'm an idiot. God, put that 13 year old kid away, man. Like, you're who gives a shit? You're 40, 50, well, 30. If, if, if you're sitting at Sean and Brett's table, like, you're like, look, you're playing with two guys that are pushing 50, and right. we're playing for 10. It's okay. We're, we're already. Yeah. We're I mean, already let's face it. Now. We're kind of doing some silly stuff at <laughs> a table every Absolutely. once in a while, and it's okay. We got it. We embrace that shit. Some of the stuff where people are get so self conscious of shit, it just uh, and I, I understand that it's it's hard to overcome for some people. Like oh, I get absolutely. it, but but it's also sometimes superficial. Like, yeah, no, I get it. Let's got to let it go. Let gotta let it go. That shit, fucking go, man. Your boss isn't standing in the corner watching you. Gives a shit. Like, who gives? Two fucks about what? which is why if you have if the game master is doing their job and the other players are being decent, the person who's coming in as a tourist is going to realize that this place is safe and fun, and I can yes. have a damn good time doing. It. I think the worst experience that the tourist type gets when they come to a new table for a new game, a new genre, whatever, is a bunch of stuffy grognard pricks that are busy telling them they're doing it wrong. We've all had those. I shouldn't say we all right. have, but we have all heard those stories, if not experienced them ourselves, where someone's right. telling you how bad it is and what you're doing wrong and so forth. And those players suck because they're driving somebody else away from a, a piece of the hobby or maybe the hobby itself. But they're they're wrecking an experience just because, for whatever reason, it you know doesn't serve their particular selfish needs or whatever. So. It is. I, I I could argue both sides of the fence where you're helping somebody or you're not helping somebody. Yeah. You want to help some. You want to be helpful, and then you also want the person to be empowered to do it kind of themselves. So there's some people that are like, "Hey, man, I got I got this." Yeah. Like just relax. I got you know. Hey, okay, thanks, thanks for because some people get overly helpful. This is, like. <laughs> this is why people. Like, Hey man, just this let her, people, him people or her need, do her thing. People need to do a like, couple damn. of different things, right? People need to work retail, work food service somewhere where you've got to right. deal with crazy ass shit. Teach somebody something, right? Especially, um, not, and not everybody's good with kids, but I would say deal with kids <laughs> and try to teach them something sometimes. It's not easy. <laughs> anyway, oh my God, we are with a fuck all over the place, dude. Jim, we messed it up. I'm positive we did not hit this right. Oh. oh, Sean thinks we're fine. When you go to be a tourist, you got to go see the sights. And when you go see the sights, you got to take some pictures. And then maybe, you know, meet some locals. You got to take part in the food. That's what being a tourist is about. You take that shit, move it over to a game. So you got to roll some dice. You got to talky talk some things. You got to, you know, do some actions. You got to play with your other players. You got to talk with the GM. And then you got to see it and envision it, you That's know? And then that's, you're there. Like then you're not a tourist that's, anymore. That's brilliant, Sean. <laughs> so, <coughs> somebody out there probably has much better ideas. They're listening to their podcatcher right now and they're screaming at it like, oh my God, how come? 
hit us up, please, in uh, any of our social media outlets. Hit us up on Twitter, whatever, forums. Anyhow, let us know what you think. And give us some better ideas so we can help Jim out. Let's move on before we make it worse. <laughs> what? It's not that I damn know, bad. I'm teasing. We're commentary, man. I we're know, not, I know. We're not professors here. Die roll! Two to four minutes and slaying these points of game and geekery we want to bring with to you. There, so I on Twitter said, hey, we're two months into 2021. Tell us all the games that you've played or run. Yeah, that's kind of a poet. I'm kind of a poet. You did. That was very nice of you. And I got some pretty good responses. Um, first one, though, like MDoc um, had talked about the GM challenge or a player challenge that he puts out to, to folks on RPG Geek. So it's the RPG challenge, run five games you never have run, and the player one is play five games you've never run. And I, I don't know if it's like a forum post or what. We'll have links in the show notes. Um, and then the second one I thought was interesting. One of the guys on there was, um, I don't remember how it came up, but he was like, hey, yeah, I'm part of a toast of, of Toastmasters group for gaming. I'm like, what? I must know more. And so it's called Dungeons and Toast. It's an actual Toastmasters chapter. Wow. And he says that that people from Canada, he's got people from Canada and America, I guess they meet every Friday on Zoom. And so he sent me, a, I'm like, hey, I mean, he put it on Twitter publicly, but I'm like, Is, can anybody show up? He never responded to me. But uh, I'll put a link to the flyer. I'm like, huh. So it's like on Fridays, seven thirty. You can register. You can register for Zoom meetings. Contact them. Um, they've got social media out there. Strength and leadership and GM skills. Improve and prompt through speaking. It, this is the type of shit. These types of clubs and this approach is really cool because there's Sean and I do what we can sometimes. We talk about tactics and different things to do and so forth. And sometimes the more you hear different people's perspectives about a similar thing or how to improve or change or do different. That can be really, really helpful. That's good stuff. That's cool, Sean. Yeah, I thought it was pretty neat. Uh, M.O. Doc was the other Twitter person that put it out there. And then I wanted to just bring it up, which I thought was interesting. I brought it up on Saturday. Brett doesn't care, but I thought Aww. it was interesting. Where Wizard... Wiz no, I'm teasing. I care about I, so we've had this back and forth. Anyway, carry on, carry on. You say, say your Well, thing. there's misinterpretation, yeah, so I'm not, we don't no, want to get into that. But... Essentially, uh, Wizards of the Coast is now a division of Hasbro, which I thought was interesting, and I can't find the damn tweet, so I'll put a link in the show notes when I get to it. But you know, Brett saw more more info about it than I did. I didn't in my stream. I didn't see people going, "Hey, you know, yeah. all these." And just so people but, know, one of the things that Sean pointed out, and I knew this. I didn't think that other people didn't know it. But when you say division of, that is now no longer a product line of. A division of is a bigger deal. Corporate worldwide, when you say you're a division of something, there is power right. and sway and so forth. Um, my understanding is that Wizard of the Coast um, makes more money than most other Hasbro lines. Well, they're toys. Yeah, they're toys. I mean, like a I lot think. of I mean, when I say most of them, I'm talking about toys and you know, some of that stuff. But anyway, it, it in the uh, in the corporate world, that's a big freaking deal, and that also it has potential. To, and of course, the thing that um, I, I thought, wow, that is interesting. And then what got me kind of uh, about the whole thing was everybody getting <laughs> radically cheesed off with, 
this means they're going to kill my game. This means they're only going to make movies and video games. And they're going to screw over all the common people. Whatever happened to this hobby? I hate the I hate America. It, it, everything went really dumb really fast. And it got really annoying to watch. So I had to mute a few people and block a few people because I'm like, I can't I don't want to fucking listen to this crap. However, Sean and I <laughs> talk off mics. And there's some really interesting stuff that comes with this fact. Because D&D &D yes. is the uh, kind of the heartbeat for how healthy is the hobby, right? This is a big sign. And the next person who says, I thought D&D was dead. You can punch that person right in the eye with this press release. <laughs> <laughs> Shit ain't dead. It's going very well. Thank you very much. And um, I believe publicly traded company, division, so on and so forth, now sales numbers and other things that you may have wondered, how much do they really sell? How much really moves? How much of this? Some of those facts um, will become public knowledge, to my understanding, or should. So that's interesting stuff. Right. And every year before this, it's always been complete speculation because they don't have to release And why would shit. you if you didn't have to? Right. They could get a competitive edge or yep. whatever. They don't need to know because if it's shit, they don't need to let people and know it's, it's also, shit. Uh, if it's, and if it's not public, right. it's nobody's fucking business. So you don't tell anybody. <laughs> You know. Right. So, you know, going to that, it'll be interesting to see, you know, now publishers, blah, 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 other competitors can look at it and say, look at that slice of the pie I could grab. And, you know, there's a lot of people coming into the hobby. And if there's more people coming in the hobby, I could buy more Streets of Avalon yes. shit. Would be awesome for me. Right. Oh, so speaking of, before I before um, I forget this, uh, Ray Otis, I uh, was able to grab Ray. Uh, he, he did our Zip Zaps logo. And I said, hey, man, I got an idea for an Avalon T-shirt design. Would you be willing to? He goes, yeah, what are you thinking of? And in like three hours, he's like, how about this? I'm like, oh, that's fucking perfect. <laughs> so Sean and I got together uh, this last Sunday and chatted through some Avalon stuff that I want to do. I want to get a website up, uh, a little Teespring, just some specific cool cool Brett things for it so came to me with all these freaking things he wants to do and i'm like holy cow man he's just gonna i'm like these are fantastic are you sure you could take all they, this brett and he's like i got these this what sean's <laughs> he gave to me no, some not. of it no, no i just uh, i've said this before this podcast doesn't exist without sean because i, I sure brett was talk. talking about Toy line, oh, that. That freaking like true. cards, yeah, uh -huh. yeah, like that's, collectibles, yeah, like all kinds of shit. Like you're gonna be able to decorate is, your entire house with the Streets of Avalon stuff. Mark Brett's words, <laughs> you've heard it here <laughs> first. What's wrong with you? <laughs> that guy is gonna be Mister Streets of Avalon. He's gonna have his own commercials. He's gonna be selling streets you know, furniture. You know, what, what, what are we finding in the Streets of Avalon? Bro, bro, broken boxes. That's what you'll get there. This guy is going to be the Kiss oh rock band Gene Simmons like Kiss, of the Streets of Avalon. Oh. Keychains, Bic lighters, sky's the limit. <laughs> I can't wait. One of my favorite, Mark. One of my favorite. Wait. Where we put our name on everything marketing issues was when Harley Davidson put their uh, logo on beer and cigarettes, and then they realized rapidly that was a bad idea because people were suing the tobacco industry at the time. Anyway, let's. Uh, Brett doesn't think that's a bad I, idea. He's like going to put it on smoke. Everything. Yeah. Mostly targeted with, <laughs> with fruity colors just for the kids. That's that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> if you don't know I'm getting, I'm clearly getting. Anyway, enough of that shit. Let's move on. Beanbags shaped like Vera? <laughs> Write this shit Brett's, down. 
Blake, you're not getting a dime of it, just so you know. Uh, Ray, Ray Otis. Oh, Blake, no, oh, Blake, Blake said, said that, that one? Oh. Beanbags shaped like, beanbags shaped like oh, Veer. Oh, my God, that'd be awesome. There you go, man. Start. Yeah. That was awesome. It may or may not be in the world. May works. or may not. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Blake. All right. That's right. Let's move on. Let's wrap it. Let's wrap it up. What are we talking about next We're week? We're talking right? about unloading gear from our collections. And by gear, I'm talking about books and stuff. Sean and I have been on social media a number of different times saying, oh, I offloaded this. Oh, I sold this. I sold that. And we had one of our listeners asked us, said, hey, what do you have a criteria for what you're getting rid of or why or what you're looking for? It kind of goes into the... Uh, into into why did Sean dump all his first edition AD and D stuff over to Brett? Because <laughs> I haven't touched it in twenty so, years. I'm not going to play it tomorrow. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that. We'll have some fun with that, and of course, listener feedback and all that good stuff. So, all, all right. right. So we got to get going. So everybody can go to sleep, or maybe not go to sleep, depending on where you are in the world. Uh, we stream here every Monday night at eight p.m. on Twitch TV uh, Gaming underscore and underscore bs 8 p.m central time check it out i stream here on saturday mornings from like 8 30 to noonish as well uh if you like this subscribe to your the podcast you'll find it on podcatcher of choice if you see this on youtube give us a like and subscribe we really appreciate it otherwise i'm one of your hosts sean and i'm brett good night and good game and all this episode of Gaming and BS, produced with help from the following BSers. Jared Rasher, Ray Otis, Old School DM, Jason Hobbs, Andy Hall, Roger Brassley, Chris Steele, Larry Hout, Eric Frankhouse, Tony Shilof Baker, Mark Tasaka, Pierre Mongrel, C.W. Mellencamp, Dan LaValle, Craig Huber, Ron Bishop, Old Scoozer Roleplaying, Jim Fitzpatrick, Mark Richmond, Sky, Craig, Howard Bishop, Jeff Seifert, Angus, Eric Salzweedle, George Sedgwick, Robert Emeth, Brian Kurtz, Laramie Wall, Perry Basor, Eric Avia, Andy Olson, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Brian Rumble, David F. Baylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Henry Newcomb, Colcago, Eric Tavola, Hoos Carl, Ghost GM, Mike Hess Jr., Rory Weston, Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Jason Weeb, $1 Adventure Frameworks, Phil McClory, Jay Plata, The Duke in Purple, Isaiah Aries, Christian, Larry Hollis, Quigley Malcolm, AWOL Trooper, Craig Shipman, Todd Sharp, Orcus Dorcas, Chris Shorb, Michael O'Holland, Wayne Peacock, Mike Coleman, Tendrils, Miniature Master, Kevin Keneally, Roger French, Roger French! Christopher Lang, Chad Gleiman, Josh Wallace, Adam Grotjohn, Ed Nye, Stefan Dragonspawn, Corey Welch, Mirko Froelich, Rich Wishon, Joe Swick, Curtis Takahashi, and Aaron Raylia. Hey, are you interested in trying out new games? Perhaps running them or playing them? Interested in meeting and playing with other folks? Head over to gamingnbs.com forward slash games. That'll take you to a place on our forums that lists a spreadsheet as well as a forum post outlining how you can find other games and other players to play games with. So check it out. Try something new today. Thanks, BSers. This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.